yo, yo, what's happening, y'all? It is Sports Ethos, Washington Winters Podcast, the CMC Show, back at it again. We got myself, Corbin, we have Mr. Carthen. We're in the building here to talk about the Washington Wizards. Let me let y'all know right now, y'all Washington Wizards, I want to say your Washington Wizards, it ain't looking too well for the dudes in D.C. Um, it's been some rough basketball this past week. Uh, the Wizards at the stands are 14th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they let the Raptors complete a 23-point comeback against Washington to get a win going on a 21-1 run. I repeat, a 21-1 run to end the game and take the win against Washington. That was a real thing that happened this past week. Um, as far as where the Wizards stay in offensive rating, glad you asked. They're 23rd. Where they stay in defensive rating, worse. They're 26th. Where they stay in net rating, worse. They're 27th. Um, it's been rough all around. Uh, Kyle Kuzma putting up numbers. Efficiency still kind of decent, but he's not giving you anything else pretty much. Then you have Jordan Poole, who's getting you not even all good numbers. 16 points per game, two rebounds, three assists, shooting 41% from the field, 30% from three. And not for lack of trying. He's jacking up shots as well. It's been it's been an interesting time for Washington. Uh, on the bright side, I mean, Bilal Koulibaly's been playing well, and that's been good to see. He's been getting more minutes, about 25 a game. Um, but that's all the good things here. So I'm going to throw it over to the main man of the show, Carthen, because he's been watching every Wizards game, and we got to get your feel. That's really what the show's about. Wizards have been trash, straight trash. They're 2-8, and eight, and we want to talk about what's going on. Carthen, how you doing, man, and how about these Wizards? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And... Um... Had a little bit of a rough patch last week, uh, health wise, but other than that, I'm doing good. Yeah. Happy to get you um, back, bro. But as far as Wizards basketball, it, it's 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 a little rough to to come up with some some positives. I can tell you that much. Um, I don't understand, and, and I. I I, I know we had a discussion before where we talked about the Wizards. They are definitely showcasing. They're definitely showcasing. For the lottery? Because, no, they're showcasing their veterans because mm. they're playing them, but their veterans aren't the players that need to be playing. I mean, let's let's be completely honest. When the young guys have come in the game, the young guys are the ones that are make, making the comebacks. The young guys are the ones that got the energy. The young guys are the ones that are playing really tough defense. Um, the Miami game, the young guys came in at seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and within three minutes left in the fourth quarter, they were down with they were they had brought it all the way back to I believe it was three or four points to the point mm-hmm. where Eric Spolster put his starters back in the game after after that. Um mm. and the Wizards ended up starting to put their starters back in the game and we lost by I think it was 14. It's the other day the bench outscored the starters. <clears throat> That's crazy. And when you look at it in, in those aspects, it makes you wonder, A, 
are we a lot further along in our in our rebuild than we think we are? And B, what are we really trying to achieve, right? Is it just solely trying to achieve taking our veterans that we have and showcasing them to try to get trades for them at the deadline? Mm-hmm. Or are we trying to actually use this season to actually develop players for this for the future? Because as crazy as this may sound, when Johnny Davis has gotten into the game and Ryan Rollins has gotten into the game, they have been our best guards. And yes, it's a small sample size because they get they mainly got in during garbage garbage time minutes. But when they played, the Wizards have scored and played really good defense, and they brought them back from the depths that they were uh, that they were put into to the point where they, in my opinion, should have already earned more minutes but right now it's like the management has told west on sale you're going to play the veterans you're going to play them as much as necessary to try to get them to get some kind of tradeability and some kind of trade value so that we can move them for draft capital. Because mm-hmm. to me, what it seems like the Wizards are doing is they're playing for two things. They're playing to move the vets for more draft capital. And they're playing the vets to gain good draft position. Because it's it, it's clear when you watch the games, if they were really about trying to put the best foot forward and best basketball on the floor, they would play the guys that are playing hard. They would play the Rollins. They would play the Davises, Pulabalis, uh, the Eugene uh, Amaruis. They would play Gafford. Would play well with. A lineup like that, even though they're on a ton of shooting there, they play with speed, they play with pace, they get up and down the court, they play good defense. And just getting the guys out there and letting them grow, letting their game grow, I feel like the only thing that we're we're doing right now is just trying to get them vets out of here. I agree up to a point. Like, I get it. I've, I mean, we've, we've been watching basketball for a long time, Carson. Like, we've seen the whole, you know, teams are trying to, you know, showcase their players, all of those things here. But it's hard to tell that when they play as bad as they have. I mean, only ones who I would say are actually, like, putting themselves up in, per, in pretty good standing, at least for a team to be modestly interested in them at the trade deadline, is, like, a Tyus Jones and, what, maybe Danilo Gallinari? I'd say Tyus Jones and Manila Gallinari. 
Like, I think those are the two who've done the best. Like, Danilo Gallinari shooting a three at a decent rate. He's not making a lot of them. He is playing out of position at five a lot, right? He's giving you eight points a game. Not a whole lot of rebounds, but, like, you know, stretch big in spots. Like, that could be had for cheap. There's worse options, right? And then, of course, Tyus Jones, who, like, again, he's like your low, you know, he's your high, I would say, moderate assist man to low turnover ratio dude. He's like the possession king, right? Nine points a game, five assists a game, to only one turnover. He's getting you a steal a game, too. He's shooting a three at a 37% clip. You know, he's not shooting the ball well overall, but he only takes, like, literally nine shots a game. So, you know, just just under half the shots he's making. Like, he's looking good. And 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 Gallinari. I mean, aside from that, I guess Shamit. But Shamit's been moving around so much. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with him, you know? Aside from that, I don't know if you could really make that case. I mean, like, Kuzma's not going anywhere this year. Jordan Poole's no. not going anywhere this year, and they play him like it. And it's been pretty bad. Yeah, but you also have um, DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright's defense. And I just don't think he's looked great. But he hasn't looked great offensively. Like, I mean, I, he's, he's shooting 36% from three. He's taking less than two a game back. Like, at what I point do you look at the numbers and go, okay, that's not enough volume to, you know, but not, but not everybody not everybody is about shooting. Yes, but if he's going to have the yeah. value as an offensive player. Not everybody is value. Not everybody's value is valued off of what they can do offensively. You look no, at his fair. defensive metrics. You look at his defensive metrics. You, and you look at teams like a Phoenix, teams like a Boston, teams like um, Philadelphia, teams that have a lot of guys who can score in volume. They need people around them that can play defense, that can take pressure off of your star offensive players and can play multiple positions uh, on the defensive end at a very high clip. That's where mm-hmm. DeLon's um, value comes in because he's not a guy that's going to put the ball up 20, 30 times a game. He might put it up anywhere between three and six times a game. However, his defense is well above average. It's not elite, but it's well above average. For a guy that can play the one, two, and a small ball three, his defense, his quickness, his his, his defensive intelligence, his um his ability to get in passing lanes, his ability to steal the ball, his ability to just play solid, solid overall defense has lot of value to it so that's where he that's where he gets his value i i get that i mean my thing is this what what return do you expect that to get and maybe a second round pick and a young guy okay i mean i'm i'm Ooh, not expecting to yeah not a know, good one. like a like a like a, like a james not, book night no <laughs> one of the hornets guys i'm about to say you know what I could see him pulling a James Booknight kind of guy because James Booknight never, ever really got his feet on the ground in, in Charlotte. They've ne- he's never been a, ro- a, a, a solid rotational player. I'm not even sure if he's ever been a rotational player. But, you know, a guy who was seen as having some upside to him, um, 
taking a, a, a taking a young guy with some with with several years left on his contract. You know, Delon Wright is an expiring contract, so with him being an expiring contract, you can see a team that's looking to try to get some cap flexibility, which the Wizards can offer to some people, and that's kind of where our veterans will have a a little bit more value to them because all of our veterans are expiring contract. And Scholars is expiring contract. Jones is expiring contract. Shamit is expiring contract. Um, DeLon Wright has an expiring contract. I think that there may be one or two other veterans on the team that expiring, but a lot of the guys that we traded for have expiring con- that that were veterans have expiring contracts. So having the having the ability to take on money because we will be so far under the cap has value. You get rid of an expiring contract of a veteran who can also, you know, help out on a playoff run or something like that. You can get a, a second round or two and a young guy that's never going to make it off of a off of a team's bench to come to Washington and maybe you can find a diamond in a rough. You can find one of those type of type of guys that will help find some look for some people who the new administration about value. You know, guys that, that, like I said, last last, uh, episode, it seems like the type of guy that the new administration covets are athletic, defensive-minded type of guys that have the ability to put the ball on the floor and score. But they, they want to be a team that's physical and plays solid defense. So there are plenty of guys out there that can do that, that are on veteran teams that were drafted in the low, uh, not in the lottery, that are on playoff teams that they value veterans over rookies. I, I, I get that. I guess I just don't, I guess I don't really see the development projects here on this Wizards team. You should say that, that one time. Sense. I guess I don't see the developmental projects here on this Wizards team. Like long term, like let's see what they can do. Like aside from Bilal, who we could talk about too, but aside from Bilal Kulabali, like uh, Denny's been playing okay, I guess. I, I still like long term role player. Maybe I could see him as like a swingman who sticks around for like six, seven years in that role, but no long term projection there, right? Like I mean, these other guys are just solid players for. I don't know, like not quite this team, not quite a better version of the team, but they're not like long-term pieces. Okay, again, not fully knowing what they're looking to build, I can't honestly say that that's a yes or a no. I can go based off a projection of the players that they have acquired and based off of the players that they uh, that going based off of like Bilal's style of play. You know, when they re-signed Denny, both of them are defensive-minded wings. Both of them are guys who play really hard defense and offensive game is developing. But mm. they are they're stout on the defensive end already as as a young player. 
It's not something that, that they they already have the the want to and the desire to be good at defense. Unlike a guy like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is all offense and not doesn't put very much effort into the defensive end. Though he, they, they don't seem to covet those type of guys. You look at the guys that they brought in and, and put on the um, two-way contracts. All three of them fit that defensive-minded kind of guy. Mm. The, the, the identity that I'm seeing based off of the guys that they are identifying as pieces that they want to move forward with all play defense. They, they don't, they, and they, they play it with pride. They, they, they don't do it just because they have to. They do it because it's a want to. They, they want to be good on that, that end of the floor. They want to put forth the effort. They want to try to be great at that side of the ball. So that's what I, like I said, that's what I'm seeing as in the identity that I feel they're trying to to put together here is an identity of tough defensive minded players that you can you can develop a defensive minded player to be a better offensive player but what you can't develop is heart on the defensive end they either want it or they don't yeah, the offense that, right is now more don't. about right. Offense is more about skill. Defense is more about effort, and they're looking for guys that have the effort, that have the want to and the desire to play that side of the ball. And mm-hmm. they have a few. They have a few people that can do it, but again. I don't think that they are playing those type of guys at this current moment because they're playing the long game. And the long game is to get rid of those veterans and get whatever they can for those veterans. Shamet has a history of being a knockdown shooter. He's shown so far this year when he's got his minutes that he does still have the ability to knock down the shot. That has value. You can get a second round pick or so for Landry Shamet. You look at the trade that you, and to 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 put it into context what I'm uh-huh. talking about. Yeah. Look at the second trade Washington made this year when they traded for Jordan Poole uh when they when they traded uh Chris Paul to Golden State. They took flyers in that deal. They had Jordan Poole, but they said, hey, you're not playing these two young guys. Let me add uh, Rollins and add uh, PBJ to the deal. Neither one of them were going to get any minutes in Golden State, probably for their whole career, because Golden State right now is a well-oiled machine that plays veterans. I mean, you look at it. Kaminga is a really, really good young basketball player. He's just in his third year starting to get 
steady minutes. Mo- uh, Moody. Mm-hmm. Moody's still trying to get solid minutes. Yeah. In his third year. They moved on from James Wiseman because James Wiseman didn't fit what they really wanted in a big man. True. It wasn't that he it wasn't that he was a bad player per se. He just didn't fit what they wanted in a big man. Mm-hmm. So they moved on from him. It's about trying to maximize what they can off those veterans and trying to get some young players in here that they feel might fit what they're trying to build. And that that completely that complete organizational uh, stamp that they're trying to put on on the organization as far as what kind of team they're trying to build is still to be determined. Mm. I get you. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny you mentioned the big right, and I don't know if you remember texting me um, early this past week, but you were interested in a certain big possibly coming to Washington that you thought they could have that they could have for cheap. Do you want to mention uh that per player? Yeah, I say James Wiseman. I mean you look, see, what's going on. Mm-hmm. You, you you look and see what's going on in, in, in Detroit. Detroit has uh a plethora of big men and he is a guy who is not in there currently in their rotation. And I think that he probably could be had for cheap because although he is still on his rookie contract, he still makes quite a bit of money. And Detroit is kind of in the same boat as Washington right now where they have a lot of cap flexibility. So they wouldn't be able to necessarily use that, but they could because Wiseman is a guy that they could take a flyer on and still give Detroit more flexibility as far mm-hmm. as cap as far as cap relief goes because he's still being paid as a second overall pick so yeah not necessarily saying that it, it something that washington is looking into but an intriguing prospect to to say the least it would be james wiseman because let's be frank Washington needs big men bad. And that's what I told you in the text message that we had. You did. Washington is in desperate need of big men. The only true big man that they have on this team is Daniel Gafford. And Muscala is a stretch four. Daniel Gallinari came into the league as a as a small forward that is now considered more like a stretch five at his age because he can't move as well as he used to. But Washington is getting blown out on the boards on a nightly basis by double digits. A couple nights in a row, they got blown out by 20 plus. Uh, I think I sent you a stat saying that Washington was out rebound 120 something to 78 in the last two games. You did. That's almost. 50 rebounds. That's a that's just that's getting massacred on the boards. And some of that is I'm not gonna lie. I feel like some of that's effort. I'm not even gonna say some of it is an effort. Some of that's effort. I mean, some of these guys, and I'm not I already named names, I'm not gonna name them again. You can tell they just want to get up and down and get their shots up, right? 
Some of them you mm-hmm. can definitely get after it, be more active, banging the boards, get a leak out rebound. But some of it, yes, let's be road size. Mike Muscala at this at this point isn't a full, he's not a center like that, you know? And then the same thing when it comes to um Danella Gallinari, in fact, even more so. Like he might have to play stretch five because he is, you know, older and slower. You know, he can't be calling the perimeter, that sort of thing, but he's not your guy to go up there and get rebounds. Like that's never been his game. So you're right. Like they've been pressing the service because they're six, eight and up. And we've seen Kyle Kuzma pressing that. We know Dangway's not a center. In fact, you know, he's averaging, he's, he's what, at top five on the team in rebounds, actually second or third on the team, in, second on the team in rebounds at 6.1. But let's be real. It's Daniel Gafford with seven rebounds a game, which isn't that great to be honest with you, but okay. Then it's Kyle Kuzma with 6.1, Danny with six, and then it's Belil Kulabale with 3.7. Like, yep. it's not good out there. It is not good on the boards. Not at all. No, and it's that, been rough. That, and that's a big part of why um, Washington is losing like they are is because they're getting, in your words, massacred on, on the boards. I mean, Mark Dave, uh, not Mark Davis, Mark Williams will be played uh, – um, Charlotte, the second game, mm-hmm. had, I think it was nine offensive boards that game and 21 boards total. He almost out-rebound the Wizards by himself that game. I think they had, they out-rebound him something like 60-something to 32 or 33. You wow. can't win a game like that. No. When teams are getting that many offensive rebounds and that many defensive rebounds, and you can't—you're only putting up one shot, and they're putting—and they're putting up two and three and four shots of possession. That's you not going to do your team like that. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. And so, I agree. No, it's true. Mm-hmm. You, you look at those—you look at those type of things, and you quickly realize one of the glaring problems with. Washington at this current moment is they uh, their lack of size, their lack of ability to grab a rebound. It, it's you can't. Nobody can deny or say that what we're saying here as, as rebounding is concerned is not the numbers tell it all. And as long yeah. as Washington continues to play with the players that they're playing with that don't have a mindset and emphasis on <clears throat> things other than scoring, they're going to continue to be butchered like they are. However, what I will say is, again, those young guys that we were talking about before, they play mm-hmm. for those, those young guys. Uh-huh. Say it again. Those young guys play for those things. They 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 play with heart. They play with effort. They play with energy, and they they look to do the small things: boxing out, rebounding. Once you rebound, push it. Get up the floor. Fill your lanes. Get to the basket. Gang rebound. 
all those type of things. And again, that's how a lot of times when they get in the game, they end up coming back from the large deficit that the veterans have already dug the team. And you, you look at it two ways. You, you wonder, is it management that's driving this mm-hmm. or is it poor coaching that's driving this? Because mm-hmm. you look at it in two separate ways. You look at, take for instance, the Toronto game. Toronto scored 70 points in the paint in that game. Majority of those points in the paint were scored in the fourth quarter. Why did Daniel mm-hmm. Gafford sit out the whole fourth quarter? Why didn't he go back then? He already had three blocks that game. Daniel Gafford is an elite rim protector. Why, if they're scoring at the rim at at will, why don't mm-hmm. you put your elite rim protector in the game? Well, why do you I, continually go small and get dominated in the paint, on the boards, every facet of the game when you take out your best defensive player? Well, I'll tell you right now, I really think that it is a coaching thing. And I think for the next episode, we might have to talk at least a segment of the show on the coaching of West Sunset Jr. and what is and and, and what isn't and, and what a lot is to blame on his end for that. Because I do think a lot of that does come on him. Some of the rotations, some of the scheme, like, yes, this team is not great talent-wise, but they're also not as bad as they played. And to go and give them a 21-to-1 run to close the game with little adjustments – to lose a game, to close a game that you had a comfortable lead on is ridiculous to me. So I do think that there's something we have to pour into to unsettle un- a little bit more. I want to do that for sure. But as we close out this one, I want to ask, let's, let's end on the positive note, Carthen. Um, what, what have you, what's one thing you've liked from the Wizards over these last three games? I do like Bilal Kulabali. He's been I think we have a, I think we have a star in the making. Um, there is no moment that's too big for this young man. Getting this young man who's played meaningful minutes for a championship for a championship team last year, I think, has set him up for success in the NBA. Um, his shot looks effortless it looks consistent he's getting more and more confident as the games go on Mm -hmm. i think for the first time this for the first time in a very very long time i think the wizards hit on their first round draft really Mm -hmm. They, they truly now, and I'm talking about when I say hit, I mean, not necessarily like a just straight roll. Not since, not since I would say Bradley Bill has the Wizards hit on a rookie like they, like we did this year on. 
think he's a better overall prospect than um, Otto Porter was. I think he's going to have a better uh, showing and a better Wizards career than Otto Porter did. Um, And he's already showing more potential than the Ruiz, the Denny's of the world. Even though Denny is improving more and more now that he doesn't have the the thumb of a Bradley Bill on top of him where the coaching staff is enamored with a player of Bradley Bill's skill set. He's able to spread his wings more and I think that it is showing what he's been working on and how he's been uh, developing. But Bilal is, I think, going to be a really, really good player, a good two-way player. Yeah, once I really want to see Huh? I was saying once he, start, uh, once he gets to probably his prime, yeah, I definitely want to see his offensive game improve for sure. I mean, it's been good, but I want to see that improve some more. Obviously, the outside shooting as well, but I totally agree with you there for sure, Carthen. Like, that's been something I've liked. Um, I like the lead that the Wizards built up against the Raptors before they lost it. I thought that there was some good movement at times, like the shooting. I thought it was a pretty – it would have been a feel-good win, I think, against a, a decently competitive team. Um, so I'll focus on that first part other than the remainder of that game. But lastly, Carthen, um, Zach Levine is apparently now open to being traded. The Bulls are going to think about it. Uh, Levine's open to it. Uh, the Bulls have always been slumping. I, obviously, the question is not whether Zach Levine will come to the Wizards. I think that makes zero sense from a basketball perspective, from a team perspective. Unless Washington feels that they can surround Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma with Zach Levine and make a run to the play. I'm kidding. That's not a thing. What I ask you is, what are your thoughts on Zach Levine, Carthen, just as a general NBA perspective, and what team would you like him to go to? Like, what team do you think would be a good fit for him? It's not a Wizards-related close, but it is a close for tonight. Okay. Well, for the Wizards, no. Yeah. Wizards, that, no. That, that, That's a quick one. Thank you for that. <laughs> for the Wizards, that, no. Ended that conversation. Oh. <laughs> It's not it, it's not even a conversation needs to be had for what they're trying to build, what they're, where they're trying to go, where they're moving. It would be basketball suicide to bring him in mm. to the Wizards. So he, he's a he's definitely in. but Zach Levine as a player as a whole. He is a very good offensive player. Um, he plays best. He plays defense sometimes. It's when optional he, for him for sure. Yeah, when he wants to play defense and puts effort into it, he's pretty good at it actually. Um, you saw you, you saw glimpses of it when he was in Minnesota his defensive potential, but as he became more of an offensive and more of a 
a scorer. You saw him take a step back on the defensive. Teams that I would say uh, would be good for Zach. One of them would be your squad, the Lakers. I would like that. I think he would fit in well with LeBron and AD because he can stretch. He's a really good three-point shooter, as well as he, he's a he's a very good three-level scorer. He's not just a good shooter; he's a he's a very good three-level scorer. But the fact that he can shoot the three makes him that much more valuable to the Lakers because LeBron has to drive. LeBron's game is mid-range in the paint. He can shoot a three on occasion, but his his main game is in the paint, dishing the ball mid-range in those areas. So having him to be, having somebody that can step out, shoot a three at a at a average to above average clip mm-hmm. on pretty decent value. Value, I'm sorry. No, yeah, he can get it up. Um, other teams that I would say he would fit pretty well with Miami. Um, I think he would fit well in an intriguing team to me would be New York. Um, I think with New York, he fit, he, he gives New York something that they're missing. Mm. They're missing a, a guy who is an athletic wing that can be a three-level You have um, you have RJ Bird. RJ Bird is not the most athletic guy, but mm-hmm. he's also not a great three-level scorer. Mm-hmm. He um, Julius Randle is a really good four but as far as wings is concerned guys that play more like that two three spot he gives them a a dynamic that they don't have yeah so i i see new york as a valuable option um When you look in the Western Conference, outside of mm-hmm. your team, hmm. that would be a tough one to to think about or to pick because you look at all of the major players of the Western Conference. He wouldn't fit in good with Dallas because Dallas already has two extremely ball-dominant guards. Him not having the ability to have the ball in his hands very much, or if not any, lowers his value. Yeah. Um, A team that I would say, you know, 
now that I'm thinking about it, a team that I think he would be really, really good on, mm-hmm. Sacramento Kings. I like that. I like that. I do think that'd be a good fit. I do Sacramento, think that. They could find a way to keep Keegan. They would. And be able to come up with some kind of a trade to keep their main core together. Mm-hmm. Putting him putting him next to DeAndre Fox, I think, would be one scary backcourt. It would wow. be a very scary backcourt because you got two extremely athletic guards that are three-level scorers that can play well off of each other. And because Zach Levine can shoot the three so well, mm-hmm. he would put a different dynamic to that team that Herder could never do. Yeah, because he can come off. He can come off of pin downs. He can come off of screens. He can come off of all of that. And now you can't just be like, "Oh, Herder's going to come off of a off a screen and going to pull up and shoot a three. You can't say that about Zach because you don't know whether he's gonna pull up for the three. You don't know if he's gonna drive. You don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna dribble and pull up for a mid range. You you have no idea what he's gonna do. Herder, you know what Herder's going to do. Herder's coming off of that screen. Mm-hmm. He's catching and he's shooting. And he's I would I would give Herder to Chicago for sure. Younger, similar type game in terms of not high volume like that, but a guy. Who, yeah, I I I like that. I like that for yeah. sure. That's good. We're going to do a little more of these as we keep going here. Like, there's going to be something we do. Just getting Carthens commentary on just the league at large. Like, yes, we talk about the Wizards, but there's other NBA games out here too, and there's other NBA Ooh. action out here, and Carthens an NBA analyst. Uh, in fact, as we sign out, Carthens, tell the folks where they can find you. Real quick, though. Mm-hmm. I tell them that, but another team popped in my head. What? Memphis. Memphis? I, th- I think he would be good with Memphis. He gives them something Memphis doesn't have. Interesting. Especially with John Morant not being there. He gives them something that they are desperately missing. And, if, and with John mm-hmm. coming back, it would still give them something that they don't have. Okay. I like that. But but back to your question, you know, you all can find me on X. Interesting, Memphis. Uh huh. You all can find me on X. Parkland NBA. Uh, I'm still trying to figure this Twitter. I mean, this uh, this Instagram thing out. But I'll let you know when I got it up and moving. But you can also reach me on Instagram at Carson NBA. Um, you can hit me up there. You can message me there. I don't have any material up yet, but I'm still trying to figure that one out and how to get more, how to get material up to put up on there. Once I do, it's going to be on and popping. You there can it is. me on either one of those. Yo, please follow Carthen, man. He knows the stuff. He's fun. He's going to be a problem once he gets social media down. Like, it's going to be a problem. I'm just letting you know this right now. Um, but a good one, y'all, because he knows the stuff. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever, at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A, 
also on Instagram as well. Check out Sports Ethos Wizards on at Ethos Wizards. Carthen can also be found there. It's been a rough season, so it hasn't happened a ton yet, but it's going to happen, and it, he, that's a place to look as well. Um, but aside from that, y'all, this has been another good episode. We said we're going to keep it nice and short, and we give you almost 45 minutes of what we do out here. But for Carthen, for myself, we're frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and as always, let's go with it.